and we're live. Oh. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on Becca's World. I'm your host, Blind Becca. How is everybody today? It's Friday. Today, Jim hey. is joining us. How are you, Jim? I'm feeling fine, good, and wonderful. So how are things looking in Nashville today? I'm sorry, what was that last thing you is said? It sunny out there? It is. It's how is your weather sunny in Nashville today? and humid, but I'm going to go out to... Uh, it's a nice warm breeze blowing. I mean, when the breeze blows, you think of warm, it's like warm bath water. You know, you want to just settle down and, mm -hmm. you know, soak. Uh -huh. Yep. Okay. So let's get started on the show. Okay. Sure. Whatever you wish. So, Jim, is it, do you have a topic you would like to start with, or do you want me to start? Oh, I think this is your show, Madam Rebecca. You go ahead. Okay. Okay, I just want to talk about some more of the crazy experiences I've been having lately with our new medical system that we have here in the United States. I um, recently switched to some new insurance for me and my children, and... As a result, I also was able to get switched to a new doctor's office that was more conveniently located for us. And so we started going to this new office and now both my sons have seen this doctor and I've seen this doctor. And this doctor that we've been seeing is the newest doctor in this office. And she's actually a brand new doctor, period. And she's a female. And I was really excited to have her as my doctor because I thought she, she won't have any experience to fall back on to kind of do all kinds of horrible stuff to me right and mm -hmm. putting me yeah. through a bunch of ridiculous stuff and and i i really thought it would be a really good experience and it's been an interesting experience but you know like a month ago she wanted me to go in and have an mri because i told her about my medical history and i told her it had been a long time since i'd had an mri because i stopped seeing neurologists and stuff decades ago as soon as I could and um so she insisted I would go get this MRI well then it took two weeks to get access to the results of the MRI and this whole time I'm thinking the results must be bad since the doctor's insisting on delivering the news to me in person and and all this stuff's been going on right because like I said it took a few weeks for them to finally like it they acted like they lost my results. Mm. So when I finally went in and saw my doctor the other day to get the results, she, she informed me that there's a soft spot on my brain. There's indication of former trauma in my brain, you guys. And she wants me to go see a neurologist. Well, uh, and I have well, to tell well, you guys, I was shocked. First of all, I was shocked that she was shocked. That there's trauma in my brain because doesn't she remember i told her i was blinded by a traumatic brain injury 30 plus years ago so why and is she so insisting i'm not in any hurry to why is she insisting she's a brand new doctor and she doesn't know what she's looking at she, but what is her reason to go I see mean... a neurologist so the neurologist because because the the results of the MRI showed that I have a soft spot. She she called it a soft spot on my brain, and she uh -huh. said it's evidence of prior 
brain trauma, serious but brain what will trauma. that what does that tell is that going to affect you if you don't go and see a doctor about it? Well, to her, it's a really big deal because to her, it's a new diagnosis, right? Uh-huh. She doesn't realize this thing happened over 30 years ago. Like, she, she delivered this news to me, Jim. Like, I had to go do this right away. I have to go see this neurologist because of the results of this MRI. Because it and, shows and she, evidence that I've sustained severe trauma. But what, didn't she say, if like you don't doctor, go, she, didn't she say, if you don't go do this, then this will be, this could result. So you need to go see this, this uh, specialist about this MRI because if you don't, I'm. What could result? She didn't yeah. tell me what could result. She just wants to find out what the she wants. She wants an answer for what the trauma was that caused the soft spot to my brain that they're seeing on the MRI. But she forgets that I told her when I met her, I had my brain imploded in 1989. And then I had a, a brain, a serious brain surgery following that. You had your and brain I had other imploded. Brain surgeries following that. Yes, yes, that's what caused my blindness and my my traumatic brain injury when I was. I mean, I'm really intrigued by that. What is brain implosion? My brain, like, so the pressure on my brain got so high that, like, it collapsed in on it. Part of my brain, part of the wall of my brain, like, collapsed in on itself. And then the rest of it just kind of, like, imploded. They called it imploding, is what the records read, said that I read about it. So it physically it did my that? My brain imploded. Physically? What? It did that? Physically it did that? Your brain Yeah, my, my brain, my brain in my head physically imploded. It like, it collapsed in on itself because the pressure from all around it, from all sides got so intense. From the brain tumor and the spinal tap that doctor did to me. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I did sustain a very serious traumatic brain injury over 30 years ago, which I told this doctor about because the day she met me, even though I was there with one of my kids, she wanted to know how I'm blind. And so I told her that day and I told her I'm going to be seeing you. And and so on my first visit, she orders this MRI to, you know what I mean? And then when we get the results of that MRI, she's shocked because it shows evidence of severe brain trauma. Am I going to take right? it then that and you are not going answers. to... You're not going to take. The... all gotten over thirty years ago. So you're not going to take. You're not going to take the doctor's advice. I don't plan on it. I definitely do not plan on it because listen, the last two times I saw a neurologist in Montana, I almost punched it. SOB in the face. And now this doctor here wants me to go see a neurologist. And I told her, I said, doctor, I said, I hate neurologists. I I get in fist fights with neurologists if I'm if I'm not careful, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm just not into that right now. Well, I'm not even having headaches, right? So you're I not mean, worried I'm, at all. I'm having about... headaches from eye strain and stuff, but I'm not having any headaches from any brain trauma. So you're not and worried at all about what she's uh, saying? I'm just, I'm kind of worried that my doctor is freaking out about brain trauma Nothing. that's over three decades old. Okay. And she doesn't seem to understand that. But you said she didn't um, tell you and, what and I, would I'm happen really, if you did. I'm a, I'm a, but you told me that what's she. What's going to happen to me? I'll die someday, just like everybody will. But yeah, so there, until there's now. There's no diagnosis of any brain trauma. Is there anything that you can do that would ease 
ease the doctor's mind. Other than, I mean, is there some yeah, compromise? Yeah, I could remind, I could, I could, listen, I've already had reappointments with her because I had to keep going back because the results were delayed, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm already really upset with all the stupid back and forth over these results. And then when I get the results and find out that the doctor's freaking out about damage that's over 30 years old that was treated over decades ago, you know what I mean? And yeah. I just Did don't want to submit myself to more tests from neurologists who are new on my case and i've been through all of this before are you are you are, are you protesting you know? too much over the doctor's decision meaning that maybe you should go see somebody or are you if you're not really worried then why are you know just not just i, I definitely need to see somebody because my spine is all messed up and and my neck, I, I just feel there's definitely neurological stuff going on, but it's not in my head. Like I said, she saw this damage from over 30 years ago and she doesn't realize it's old damage. And she wants to focus on this old damage. And I'm like, but my neck is killing me. I I have these four whiplash injuries that are, are really causing me a lot of pain these days. Could they and be I'm part having problems in my hip and my low my tailbone, right? Because I broke my yeah. tailbone a few years ago. So right. these are the neurological problems I would like help with, not this 33-year-old soft spot on my brain from the brain tumor they removed. You know what well, I mean? Well, why did she think giving you and that's what she said focused on? What would, why did she think, why didn't you tell her that before she gave you the MRI that's not what you're looking for? Or did she think the MRI would help her determine about the neck injuries? I'm, and I'm telling you, so she's a brand new doctor. And when she right. met me and I told her about my medical history, because she saw my white cane and she wanted to know why I was blind. So I told her about my brain tumor. And right. of course, when I told her that I hadn't had an MRI in quite a while, she decided to do an MRI. And then when she got the scan, the report back from the neural or the radiologist who looked at the MRI, of course, it said that there's a soft spot indicating severe brain trauma. The doctor didn't connect that. Oh, that's obviously from the brain tumor that occurred 30 plus years ago and everything else that happened way back. Could then. it be? She I wants mean, to start the testing all over again. And I'm not going to another neurologist. Well, that, it they're couldn't just going to tell any... you what I already know, and they're just going to put me through all uh, kinds of things sure again. It doesn't have anything, you know. Who knows? We're not medical experts. I'm not, but I, you know, it, if it... they could help me with my arthritis in my neck, and and like the pain in my sh right shoulder from the, all the times I've dislocated it, and help me with my tailbone and hips and stuff, that would be great. But they never want to focus on that. Well. And near I mean, she made she made think that the tumor might have something with the tumor, you know, uh, reoccurring or something, which is why she wants you to have. But it. but there, right? Well, we did an MRI and there was no tumor regrowth. There was just a soft spot that indicated some serious so, brain trauma. Right. And like I said, that brain trauma happened over thirty years ago. She wants to retest is, and do all this stuff is it just as yeah, well if it happened, myself in the hands i don't want to make it, any pick yet. if it happened 30 years ago um that's an interesting phrase uh but if it happened 30 years ago wouldn't there be signs of healing in the brain see that's what i think i think she'd be smart to get my last scan that i had done and compare the two because i think there probably is a significant amount of healing 
Yeah. Especially because of everything else that's been healing on me in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, 30 years ago? Come on. I think the only damage that's still... I think there's very little actual damage left from the original brain tumor and such. I think a lot of what I'm suffering now, like the pain in my neck and all my uh-huh. joints and stuff, is right. from the car accidents I've been in. And that... Th- those oh. neurological injuries, the whiplashes, and the, those traumas to my spinal cord and stuff. Why did you use the phrase uh, guinea pig earlier? You said, I don't want to be a guinea pig again. Oh, Jim, because when I was a teenager, I went through all kinds of testing and, like, they t- did so many, tried so many different drugs on me and so many different medical procedures and different surgeries and oh. it just got really old. Oh yeah. And, you know, it was, it was, none of it really was doing me any good. It was only after I stopped taking all of the pharmaceuticals that they, had. when I was like in my early twenties and I finally got away from my parents and stuff, I uh, weaned myself off of all of the pharmaceuticals that my parents and their lawyers had me on. Mm-hmm. And um, then I didn't use anything for years except like Excedrin for headaches and stuff. And then uh, when I left my husband in 2016, I went and got my medical marijuana card. And that's helped me with the pain from all the car accidents I was in. And it's helped me with my severe anxiety disorder. So mm. now I've been able to do a lot. And I've, I've opened that's up my great. company since then. I, I'm right, published two books. I'm currently writing two other books and I've got a lot of other great, great projects. Going yeah, on. you got a lot of good stuff going on in your life, but you still got to take care of your health. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, and I am. I mean, I exercise every day. I drink lots of water. I I don't use pharmaceuticals because I think they're too many pharmaceuticals are bad for you. Right. Um, so, and I, I'm doing pretty good. My worst problem these days is I have a pain in the neck, and it's my arthritis. Like I said, these are the problems I really need help with neurologically. Yeah. Like the pain in my neck from my arthritis, and the pain in my tailbone from when I broke it. Well, how about and another doctor? Well, <laughs> I just don't know what kind of doctor. Um, that's what why kind I'm is she? Doc- my current doctor would be good. Well, my current doctor, she's having trouble wrapping her brain around the fact or wrapping her mind around this whole MRI thing. So, well, I mean, what kind of doctor is she? What is she actually? Is she a GN? She's just a a regular family practitioner. She's just a regular family practitioner. Uh, My children are seeing her too. My kids like her. Hmm. But you don't. I do like her. Like I said, I like the fact she's a woman, which she's very intelligent. She thinks mm-hmm. outside the box. She's open-minded. She's sensitive. Um, and she's a new doctor, so she's doesn't have a lot of the stuff that doctors who practice for decades have. You know, she's, I think she's more open-minded. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of concerned about... Well, she's not open-minded she about that MRI. This, she wants you to have I that know. But she's, she's got another thing coming if she thinks this is a patient who's just going to go do what the doctor says all the time. I stopped just listening to doctors. Oh, Rebecca. Ago. What's the point then of going to them if you're not going to listen yeah. to them? So, like, if, if she had said, oh, the MRI shows regrowth of brain tumor, that would have been a reason to go see another doctor for follow-up, right? Right. But there's no regrowth of tumor. 
And that's all that I need to be worried about. Wow. So um, are you going to ask her you know, what what would result if I didn't get this MRI? You keep wanting to push it. What, 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 what happens if I don't get it? Oh, nothing's going to happen. It's just when I see her in six months for my follow-up well woman checkup, ah. there will be no MRI or no neurology report. You know what I mean? And right. I'll just remind her at that point, I'll tell her, you know, I told you in June that I don't like neurologists and <laughs> I wasn't planning on going to see one. Wow. Well, and can I, you know, for your neck well, and your back, why didn't you, what about a, a, a chiropractor? Yeah, and see, that's one thing I've been thinking about is going to see a chiropractor. And I have seen a few chiropractors over the years that I like, but even the ones I like, they pop me too many times, and then my arthritis in my neck starts to flare up, and then my muscles in my neck go into spasm, and then I'm having headaches and stuff. And Ooh. my neck does better if it's just left alone until until it has a problem on its own. Can you and guys they... hold on? I'm going to let my dogs out. Yes. One minute, Jim. I'm going to let the dogs sure, out. Sure, no problem. I'll get it. Just a minute, princess. So, yeah, I really appreciate being on the show, and... Uh, I think it's a really good show, which has a lot of different topics each week. And uh, I, I hope we can interview a lot more people in the near future. Yeah. So, Jim, have you signed up for the NFB virtual convention this year? You know, I have not, but uh, I might. I, I, I would like to know more about that. I know you mentioned it before. When is it, by the way? Um, the virtual convention, I think, is the I think it starts the last few days of June and runs into the first week of July. Okay. Um, but it's going to be virtual. Um, I'm going to, last year, I didn't, I mean, I signed up for the virtual convention, but I, I tried to go to a couple events, but it just didn't work out too well for me. So this year, I pro probably am not even going to bother to sign up because Whoa, I just want I have other well, stuff going on, so. Okay, but uh, that doesn't influence me in any way to go. I, I would go if you were going or if you told me something positive about it. But if you said it didn't work out for you, why oh, didn't so it? Jim, listen, the reason it didn't work out for me is because I love the NFB convention. Don't get me wrong. The in-person conventions are great. Right. I, like, as soon as I have another in-person convention, I'm there. These virtual conventions aren't working for me because I'm doing the, trying to do them in my house, in my bedroom, on my computer. And every time I turn my computer on, I just go to my book. You know what I mean? And oh, so even when I try to tune into the virtual, I, I can't stay focused on it. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, like, so last year, I last year I actually tuned into one or two of the things on the stream. Uh -huh. And I just found myself wandering off and getting distracted doing other things, not focusing, right? It's, too it's hard not to really, it's, it really is. I want to be there in person. Like yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't do the virtual things either. I mean, I'm, I'm a member of the Mid-Tennessee Council of the Blind, and I think the council is a pretty good chapter, but I just, I can't get into those Zoom and the virtual meetings and the, passcodes for this room and a passcode for that room and two or three different phone numbers you gotta have I, it's, yeah. uh, 
And it just, yeah, it's ridiculous. The, you're missing something physical when you don't have, you know, people yeah. together. So, Jim, that reminds me. So, if we have a get together here at Blue Butterfly Enterprises for a few days here, yes, would ma'am. you be interested in coming? You bet. Okay, I great. Would. I think Tim said he's interested. And um, great. I will definitely. Um, I need to get that planned then. Um, do you want, would, would it work for you if I tried to do it during the same days that they're doing the convention, Jim? And then we could stream some of the convention oh, onto the big stream TV in my living room and people who are here could stand around in the living room and watch maybe. I think that'd be great. And we could talk and discuss things. I think it would be, yeah. uh, I think it'd be a great idea. Okay. And like, but I'm not going well, go well, to go. We can barbecue virtual. in the backyard every night, but we can do a special. What, what, Jim? Oh, go ahead. I like what you were saying. Uh, barbecuing in the backyard um, every. I forgot what I was saying. That was it. You said we were going to barbecue. We could barbecue oh, and then yeah. have a special. So I've got a barb, a big smoker grill in my backyard that I could put a lot of meat in, and right. vegetables. Um, and I've got a a fire pit back there, and like. Three table and set, three table and chair sets, and a big veranda. So we have plenty of room to hang out and party for a few days. That and we can, good. like I said, stream the virtual convention on the big screen in the living room. I think it'll yeah. be fun. We can smoke weed and hang out and whatever. So as long as it's not mandatory well, will... that we attend the virtual convention, then uh, that's fine. It's not mandatory, but I <laughs> I figure it says. Because I'm an NFB member myself, and I want to promote right. the NFB, I right. figure if we can do it, oh, I think well, I, I'd, I'd be sure glad to do that. that. I'm sure I would. I'd be glad to be. Proud and then, because they, sh I like I said last year, I had some trouble attending the virtual convention. But if it's the right. focus, you know, we can maybe um, stream like. You uh, just let yourself speakers, be distracted um, away from the virtual convention. That's all. Right. That's why I'm thinking <laughs> if I have a group of people here and we're all participating, yeah, then we I can agree. all take part in it together. And I like that. And we can, you know, so. bounce ideas off each other and talk about what we hear. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Okay, well, I need to keep planning that then because today is like the first week of June and we're looking at the first week of July and the June first week of July. So, okay. Have you always um, been a member of the NFB or did you ever try ACB? Okay. So I joined the NFB in 2014, I believe it was. Right. And, um, before that I was a member of the Montana association for the blind in Montana. Okay. Um, but there wasn't, really any other groups in Montana like the MAB was there from I mean from the time they were the first group I found when I think I was in my early 20s who were they and then the NFB with? came along later who was MAB the Montana Association for the Blind MAB they're still around um it's a group of blind Montanans that formed this support group or this blind um group called montana association for the blind and so listen before i ever heard of the nfb i was going to the montana association for the blind summer orientation program todd i don't know did you meet todd from montana jim he was on the show uh, wasn't he on the show last, last week, week when i was having the trouble getting in with the stream 
yeah. So yeah. anyway, the other day, Todd and I talked about this on a, a video. You can go on Becca's World and watch it. I think it was on Wednesday when we did our live stream about it. And right. we talked about the Summer Orientation Program. So Summer Orientation Program, or SOAP, SOP is what Montana, blind people in Montana know it as. Um, what what MAB used to do, and, they prob and they, they're still doing, is you know how the NFB has their blind training centers that oh, are yes. there and they're very well funded and they're right. available year round and you just have to you have to get your voc rehab counselor to get you in there and then the state will pay for your training yes well there's no training centers like that in montana so what the mab has done is they somehow made arrangements with like it's been at the college in bozeman before when i've gone it was at the deaf and blind school in great falls in 1989 when i first went blind and over the years, I know it's been in, I, I think it was at the college in Helena. And what, what they do is the Montana Association for the Blind, they get usage of dorm dormitories at the college. And then the blind people stay at the dorms while they're in the training. And it's a month long training. And they teach you, they try to teach you things like what I learned at Savvy Services for the Blind on a much smaller scale though. Like they try to teach you some very, very basic training Game skills, very basic. They don't really have any licensed O&M instructors in their group, I don't think. Now, why? But, but they Wait. teach basic cane skills, and they teach basic Braille, and they why? teach you some cooking skills. Oh, but this why? is what they teach oh. to Montanans who are just losing their sight, or you know what I mean? So yeah, they're but, doing their best on. with what they've got. Well, why do they not have a, uh, a national program? Uh, the federal, I mean, you know, the federal program in their state. Well, I don't, I don't think, so first of all, Montana is a really small state. The population of Montana, oh, the total population of Montana is very small. And right. the blind population of Montana is also very small. And there's not enough blind people in Montana to cause the government to put a blind school in Montana. And the okay. NFB has not put a blind school in Montana. But so why blind people in Montana have nowhere to get trained. Why don't they? Yeah, but the rehab service by the federal government is for all the states, no, regardless of the size of the population. <laughs> I can tell you about some of the rehab services in Montana. Let me tell you. Um, so there is this thing that most of the states, most of the um, county seats in Montana have called visual services mm -hmm. that so the county seat in Hill County, where I was growing up when I first went blind, people from the visual services department in, in Haver came to my parents' house in Hingham and tried to teach me how to use a cane and wanted to teach me how to cook and clean safely, but my parents chased them off when I was a little girl. Really? And then when I became an adult, yes. And then when I became an adult in Montana, I was locked down under that guardianship, but then at least I was taught how to use a cane. And then I... It was during that period of time that I actually went to the summer orientation program through the MAB. And like I said, it was a for, for, for having very little funding and being such a small organization, the, it is a really a remarkable thing that they do. Well, that's um, great. I, I mean, I, if you the cannot, NFB would go you, in there and yeah. put a school in Montana, it would be phenomenal for those people. Yeah, that's so Because well, they need better training there. But what about the federal programs? What about the federal rehab services? Why aren't they? So doing... the federal government is not interested in helping Montana blind people because there aren't very many blind people to stand up and say, "Hey, we need services." 
But that doesn't make sense. Small, Jim. Honestly, that doesn't make sense because if if it's a federal program, it should cover your state, even if there was only one person who was blind. So there, there, there are, there are, there are some voc rehab offices in Montana, but but what do they do? So so look at me. I was blinded when I was twelve years old, so I never learned how to use learn Braille when I was a, a small child. Like I know a lot of blind people in Montana who are blind their whole life and they learned Braille in kindergarten in public schools in Montana. Yeah, me too. But I never, but I never, I was never given that opportunity because I didn't go blind until I was 12. And then I started getting some light perception back and some blurry shapes. So my parents and my teachers decided to just make me use my limited vision. And so I struggled through school. Oh, so it was nobody. That was was your parents' fault then that you didn't learn to read Braille. Oh, I know. But but it was also the fault of of the society in Montana because the, the the services just aren't there. Like here, here in Arizona, it's so easy for me to get what I need, right? Because the services are everywhere. And I don't have to jump through hoops and prove that I qualify and all that crap that they always had me do in Montana, right? Because I've got a cane. They look at me and they say, of course you qualify. Of course we'll give you training, right? And so it's a different ball game out here. And yeah, you, you have a I mobility really, teacher out there where you are now. Do you I have don't a mo- need one because I got excellent OM training. Honestly, I did eventually get really good OM training in Montana, but it was only after I was an adult and it was only after I was able to pay for it myself. I had to get it privately. Like uh-huh. I said, there's no there's no place for there there's there's a small blind population in Montana, but there's no place for them to go get training in Montana. If they can't get it from the deaf and blind school as a child, they just don't get it in Montana. I don't understand. I really don't understand that a federal agency <laughs> that's supposed to uh, be for everyone who is eligible so and not did having you know the federal a mobility. government refers to Montana as the flyover zone. It's well known. When well, but it's still a state of the union. That the government calls us the flyover zone. But it's they still a state in the union. The handful of people in Montana. Well, so I why know, do they have voc rehab offices there? They do have voc rehab offices. Why? There. And I've met some of the people that work in the voc rehab service offices. They're they're good people with good intentions, but they don't have like the tools. They don't have the tools that the bigger cities have. They also yeah. don't have like access to their clients because a lot of their clients live out in the boonies in Montana. Like, so Jim, like, let's say you're an O&M instructor, a voc rehab O&M instructor in one of the like Billings, Montana, but your client lives out in the boonies. How are you going to get out there when you're a blind O&M instructor? You have to have an agency that has um, transportation arranged for you. Well, right? I, I, not, I understand that there, how, the you know what? So, I don't, there, there are not many o, blind O and M instructors in the first place. Oh, I actually knew a few of them in Montana, and not just blind O and M instructors, but blind voc rehab counselors, blind. Well, the, were they really? If you knew a few of them out there, then. then Montana had more than you're saying, but if they didn't have Jim any, then Marks, I... Jim Marks, Dan Burks, uh-huh. Dan Burke, do you know Dan Burke? No, Dan Burke but was they... a member of the MAB. 
Okay, so and he was he was he was he a blind mobility. These are both upstanding blind men who who have respectable jobs and stuff, right? But well, no, that's not what we're talking MAD. about. I'm not talking about that. I'm asking and, and you I'm asking you specifically about the mobility teachers. You said that they either they you well, said you, you 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 said they can't get that mobility in Montana, and then you say they do have a few there in the in the area. So what's going on? Do they so are what they I'm working? saying, Jen, listen. So the mobility instructors. I'm are just in confused. The they're in the I'm county asking. seats like Billings, uh -huh. Great Falls, oh, Missoula, in the Havard. big places. But yeah. the blind people live out in the country in the far. Why would that and, be? Why would that be that the people who are blind would live out in the country when the city is the best thing for anybody who is blind? Considering the opportunities. That's a good question, but that's the situation I found myself in, Jim. And that's the situation a lot of blind people find themselves in in Montana. Why? And so I'm just trying to help you understand. And I it's don't really understand. a huge undertaking for the federal government unless they want to go out there and put boots on the ground. Um, and honestly, I think the NFB could take care of it a lot easier if they just put a school there. Yeah, but that doesn't um, answer the question of why so many people who are blind live in the country and other instead of the city. Because because that because because these are people who were born blind and their parents were already living in the country when they were born, or mm. these are people who are who go blind from macular degeneration after they're already married and raising children, so they were already living in the country, and and it's and so a lot of times they're farmers or things, mm. so it's. They can't just sell everything and move into town, right? I mean, these people, like their whole, like sometimes generations have lived on the land and it, it's too hard for them to just pick up and leave with no support, you know? And so, for example, I went blind in 89 when I was 12 years old. My childhood friend who I had grown up with since kindergarten, when we were in our 20s, she was diagnosed with MS. Right. And and I knew she would eventually be going blind. And she told me she'd eventually wind up in a wheelchair. And I started counseling her right away about what she was going to be dealing with if she went blind. And I started telling her, beyond, you need to get out of Montana. Do not, I repeat, do not go back to the Highline. Do not go back and live with your parents. Because if you go blind, you're going to need access to all of these services that are only available in the big cities. But what did she do? She went back to the Highline. She had nothing there. No life. No, you know, she no bored out of her she skull, right? Turning back to alcohol oh. and going out drinking with old friends from high school and stuff. And and her her health got really bad and she died a few months before um, it was October of, or it was September of 2019, she died. They were having oh. her funeral when we went to see, when my sister and I went to see our grandma in early October, they were having her well, funeral. Well, that's that too day. bad. I hate to hear that. But you know, a lot of people yeah. uh, who are blind have that problem being too sheltered, you know? And, and, and so it's not only in Montana mm -hmm. where, you know, I guess you could live in a big city and if you're, Oh, I know, way. but 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 in Montana, even if you're a blind, even if you understand that you need in Montana, even if you understand that you need to get out into the world in order to survive, it's virtually impossible, Jim. I had to fight for years to, to escape from that in Montana. Mm. It's really really hard. 
So, yeah. Well, if um, you can do it, surely others can do it. And that's what your show inspires people to do. Get out and take charge of your life. Oh, yeah. If I can do it, anybody can do it. But it is it, it does take a long time, especially when you have the deck stacked against you and you have people pushing against you pushing against yeah. your success and stuff all the time and pushing yeah, against I your know. independence and so do you think the nfb promotes uh true independence for people who are black um i don't know about true and complete independence but they can teach you the skills you need so you can just go take your independence right i mean so i love the nfb but mm -hmm. I think they wanted me to become one of their little soldiers. You know what I mean? No. And I didn't become one of their soldiers. I, and um, so I, I think they like to turn their little minions what out. Is, what is schools. a soldier? What is an NFB soldier? Like, I mean, like a minion. You know what I mean by minion? Mm-hmm. Like, like. But a soldier isn't necessarily a minion. So the NFB has a lot, has an agenda. Mm -hmm. They have a legislative agenda and they have other agendas that are all closely connected to the legislative agenda, right? Right, right. And, and they teach you in these training centers, that's a big part of it, is, is NFB pride. But the thing is, I had the pride before I ever heard the term NFB. Like their slogan, uh, blind people can do anything. Blindness is not what holds us back. I knew that and I believed that before I ever even heard of the NFB. So, And I think um, anybody who is blind and really in their right mind knows and believes the same thing. Exactly. And that's, and so... I, I, I frown on the the way they like, like I said, when you go to these schools, like they take you to, then they take you to the convention, right? And everybody has to sit together and everybody's supposed to clap the same time and say the same things. And you know what I mean? Oh, it's ooh, so choreographed I hate, yeah, and it, I it like just that. doesn't feel natural to me. It isn't natural. They want everybody, they want everybody to sit, sit together with their affiliates at the convention so that when they do their rally cries and, and stuff, it sounds really cool. And I rarely sit with my affiliate at the conventions. I travel around and meet new people and sit with lots of people from lots of different states, right? Hmm. So it almost sounds like being indoctrinated, sort of. Exactly. And the indoctrination is, it drives me crazy. Hmm. Um, because, well, I mean, independence is one thing, but you also have to be independent in your mind, right? Yes, Yeah, we can become physically independent as blind people, but we also have to be able to think independently for ourselves. And I really feel like the NFB doesn't allow for independent oh. thinking. That's among awful. their members. I, I, and I, so why, why is that? I'm a fiercely was, independent thinker. I thought they were supposed to be a national well, federation for the blind, not a not a indoctrination center. I mean, I, I don't get it. Like, I, I never understood well, I the thing a, about a using the white cane all the time, you know. Hey, if I want to use a cane, I should be able to have my own choice. It, it shouldn't matter that it's straight or folded or whatever. 
but I understand that NFB right. makes a big yeah, and conference. you know that's a funny that's a funny thing about the NFB. So you know the NFB they're they're promoting guide dogs, but then right. on the other hand, they really really want to promote their straight canes. And yeah. if you if you get deeply involved in the NFB and you start watching stuff as long as I've been watching it, you can mm -hmm. see that they really push the straight canes a lot more than guide dogs, right? So and, um, do they say you, if you use a guide dog, do you need a cane to use with it? Oh, so my I have several friends who have guide dogs, mm -hmm. and my understanding is guide dog users always that that it's good practice to have a cane with you in case your dog needs a bike, like or if your dog gets sick or gets injured. Oh, um, and honestly, okay. I always have an extra cane with me in case my primary cane breaks. So, yeah, I, I think dog handlers all all use canes. They all have good cane skills, from what I understand. It's like part of the territory and I, I don't know how often they mm -hmm. wind up having to leave the dog at resting somewhere and use their cane instead but my understanding is it does happen from time to time and i've met a few guide dog, dog break so I've, I've met a few guide dog users who say they will never use a cane they say why do you need a cane if you've got a guide dog you don't but I, it makes sense what you say what if the dog gets uh -huh. injured or something you can't have two guide dogs along, so you would want to have right. a cane or something as a backup, just in case. Oh, yeah. But like I said, I, my understanding is that guide dog users do have a cane with them in case the dog gets injured. But here's the thing. I, I've i been a cane user since 1997 when I got my first cane with O&M mm -hmm. training. And mm -hmm. it's been, it was a wonderful experience right off because I no longer had to be afraid of where I was putting my foot. And, you know, I thought about getting a dog, but... Uh, I tell you, Jim, I honestly think I'm better off just sticking to my cane because a dog is a lot of work. And you always, you also have to know if the dog's urinating or pooping somewhere when you're out. And I don't want to have to stop and clean something like that up, right? <laughs> so I just like the fact of, I like the idea of I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I'm laughing because that's exactly the reasons why I don't want to get a dog, you know, basically. I mean, I feel good about using the cane. I like it. it. It's good. And I love animals and I love a dog. I really would. But I, I don't know. Um, and I think that people who have got dogs, oh, that's I've cool. I've so many of my... Yeah, it Go is ahead. cool. And, and you want to know the biggest reason I think I haven't... There's two big reasons I haven't gotten a guide dog and two big reasons why I decided just no on the guide dog. First of all, I didn't want to get attached to a guide dog and have a huge broken heart when the dog died or if I had to retire the dog. Mm -hmm. but the second reason is that I use Lyft a lot. And I've talked to so many blind friends. I've heard so many testimonies from blind people with guide dogs about them missing a ride because... A Uber or Lyft rider refuses, refuses to give them a ride. And because I travel so much, at least before the quarantine, I traveled a lot. And I plan on traveling a lot again. I I fly mm -hmm. a lot. I can't take the chance of missing a flight because a driver refuses to give me a ride because I have a guide dog instead of Well, I thought that they had restrictions so I decided, in places. In order for my I'm... business and my lifestyle to be better, just to use a cane. Well, I thought that they had restrictions I love dogs, in so place. I dogs in my house. I know they had restrictions in place on some of these companies so that you can't do that. Uber's got restrictions in place. You can't refuse a person with a guide dog. Oh, oh 
yeah, they're oh yeah, they're not supposed to, Jim, but it still happens. And and my luck it would happen when I'm already running late to catch a flight and I wouldn't want to miss my flight, right? Mm. And then too, you always always have to think about what happens if your guide dog gets sick at the last minute, you know, and you're there again, you're trying to go catch a flight. Well, that would never happen with my cane. Worst case scenario, I break my cane. So just grab an extra one because I've got plenty of extra canes around here. Yeah, I just think some people, it's just what your preference, you know. But I think if my hearing were to go uh, bad, I would definitely consider getting a guide dog. But, you know, God oh, is yeah, good to me. If I lost me. my hearing, I'd have to. My, my God, God is very good to me. So my hearing is very sharp at this point so i like the cane mm -hmm. it gets me where i want to go i keep things balanced and uh, it is i i would like a dog for a companion that's what i and i know you can have guide dogs as companions they are they're good you know they love their their masters but i wouldn't you know i'd rather have a dog right, see, play I, with. I also have two pet dogs of my own uh-huh oh yeah dogs on my own so and my you don't you don't have a, a guide dog, dog. Here. so we have three dogs in our house so you don't have a guide dog right now. i have plenty of canine companionship and i love my dogs but, but you don't have a you don't have a guide dog right now i don't plan on getting a guide dog ever i actually i looked into it um before i got my pet dogs uh -huh. Um, and like, I, but like I said, I hesitated because of all the work that was involved with a guide dog. And now I'm looking at my pet dogs and they provide me all the canine companionship I, I need or want. I don't, and my cane gets me around just fine. And it's a lot less work than a dog, a guide dog. So, well, I can't disagree with you, you know, I, I really can't cause it's, it probably would be the same stance I would take if, if I was in it. So listen, so here in Arizona, it gets really hot in the summer. So dogs, like I have to take this into consideration with my pet dogs, right? I have to make sure they're groomed well so they don't get too hot in the summer. Mm -hmm. And we have to think about the, their feet because the sidewalks get so hot. Like we have to walk them early in the morning or late at night here after the sidewalks cool down. Because the well, sidewalks then, then get like... But it gets 120 degrees here in the summer, so the sidewalks get like hot enough to fry an egg on, literally. So the dogs yeah. can't walk on them. It hurts well, them. they have dog coats and dog so, dresses and dog clothes. So how about dog shoes to keep their feet protected in the summer? Oh, I got, I got some, I got some doggy boots for my princess, my pet dog, um, because ah. I saw that problem right away because I love, I loved walking her. But the, the, so the doggy boots. They're plastic and uh -huh. they have Velcro on them and you put the plastic pad under your dog's foot and then you strap the Velcro around it, but it doesn't fit right. And so your dog starts to walk and then this thing's sliding around on his paws. So your dog's down and they're shaking his foot. Yeah. <laughs> the stupid thing on his foot, right? I got uh. these these dog boots for my dog, right? They don't work. The only thing you can do is walk your dog like I said, early in the morning or late at night. Wow. Um, and but here's the thing my sister and i like get up in the winter time we get up at four o'clock in the morning here and when it's getting hot out like this we usually wake up at two or three in the morning right so it's easy for us to get the dogs out for a walk early before the so get tell hot. me this what's and your then weather later like on in the day if the dogs need to go to the bathroom what what oh that's all right go ahead i i, I didn't Jim? i was just going to ask you what your weather was like today oh it's sunny 
Is it? So, so is, is if it, the dogs need to go to the bathroom uh -huh. and it's, the sidewalks are too hot, we have grass in the backyard now, so they can just go out in the backyard and go to the bathroom. Oh, but no. So. Now, uh, how hot is it today? You say it's sunny, but what's the temperature over where you are? Alexa, what's the temperature outside? It's 96 right now, and the high today is 106. Woo! Now, uh, the heat over there, is it is it dry? I mean, like, here it's really humid. Oh. Yeah, know? so it is really dry. So I've been to Texas, and Texas is really hot and humid, too, probably a lot like what you're experiencing there. It's right. very arid heat here in Arizona. It's, it's a dry heat. Um, I find it much more tolerable than the summers in Mont in Minnesota or like I've been to Florida in the summer it's really hot and humid there and Texas also yeah um, so yeah it's it's much more tolerable than the hot humid summer well all I can say is I'm gonna go out today and enjoy a little bit um, I know I just got back from vacation and I'm been resting, but it's so nice that there's a nice breeze out here today and I just gotta get out but uh, I've been, I, I've enjoyed well, myself today. I, I don't know. I don't have much more to talk about. But this has been really yeah, thrilling. I think we're about done with the show, Jim. I wonder how long we And I'll get we back went. to you soonly about. Oh um, yes. I don't uh, know. Gino can tell us. We're still on the air, Jim. Don't forget. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I am uh, still looking at your book, and I'll I'll be ready to talk with you about it. You know. Uh, you're still looking Soon. at what? The first book of yours. And Gretchen, uh, Gretch the Rich. Oh, you're still reading Gretch the Rich? <laughs> yeah. Did you start it? Yes. That's my first short story, you know. Oh. I'm working okay. on my second short story right now. And once I get, I don't know, three or five of them done, then we're going to publish All right. a, Good. a book of novellas. So. Well, I think that sounds but you're enjoying excellent. It, I enjoy Where listening are you at in the book, Jim? Just at the very start. I just read the first few words, not even the whole page yet. So I just opened it up to see if I could uh, see how interested I could, would be. If you could access it? Yes. Oh, great, Jim. Well, let me know what you think when you're done reading it, okay? Oh, you know I will. I promise you I will. Because um, I, I think... Done maybe uh, five, ten minutes? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> later, this later this afternoon. I'm sorry, my sister was talking to me. Oh, I thought you were talking to me and said you'll be reading it in five or ten minutes. Yeah, my sister opened my bedroom door and she said, are you still on doing your show? And I told her five or ten more minutes. So. Yeah, you know, I like us talking about okay, together and, and I would love to, uh, I hope some other people come on and get some real discussion going because uh, I, I think this is a lively show you're doing here. Yeah. Okay, Jim, is there anything else you want to talk about? Let's do our commercial break real quick. I don't think we did our commercial break yet. Okay, uh, just uh, one other thing. Um, uh, we're talking to Chris and uh, Gino, and we hope to be on next week if you're up for it. Oh, for the for the music? Yeah. Awesome, Jim. Yeah, and let Gino know if you guys need any help with getting it all, like, figured out right. 
Okay. <laughs> you guys are doing it virtually, right? Yes. Are you guys going to do a test run virtually before you come on the show? Okay. Yeah, that's right. what that's what yeah, Gina was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. Right. He said, let's okay, see so how it works Ladies and gentlemen, out. let your friends and family know that if they if they tune into Becca's World next week, you guys are going to get to hear Jim and Christopher, at least maybe some other people as well, playing some music. Right, Jim? Yeah. Yeah. We have a, uh, we've talked to Brandon about the duo, Chris, Chris and I on the duo at this point doing uh, two or three songs. And then we are, are talking to other musicians uh, about putting together a band for the future. If you guys are interested. Great. Yeah. I think, I think if we could bring some live music to Becca's world, like a Lawrence mm -hmm. Welk type thing, that would be awesome. And I'm looking for some people to provide maybe some comedy or some mm. humorous talk or i don't know something like that well, i don't know um, about uh lawrence well but we could bring some Jimi hendrix and i think John i think Lee we could Hooker. do something better than lawrence well <laughs> I mean, we're blind we're very imaginative people right we, we're problem and, solvers we think outside and, the box. and i believe we have a lot of talented musicians who are blind out there who are into music and i mean i, mm. I say with our hearing who would know better than we those of us who have been yeah. given the gift, who've been blessed with the gift of music, we know what we're doing. And when you hear Chris Foreman, and there's some people who probably heard of him, I know. Well, he, he's so good. So very, very good. What is his last name? Foreman. F-O-R-E-M-A-N. Did you say his last name, Jim? Foreman? Uh-huh. Oh, I thought that's what you said. His name is Chris Foreman? Okay, cool. Yes, Well, man. I can't wait to meet him on next week's show and hear his music. Well, he's looking okay, forward great. to it, too. So, Jim, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? I think that's okay, it. Okay, great. But thank you for having me today. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Jim, are you there? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you for joining us today on Becca's World. I'm your host, Blind Becca. Please like, share, and hit the subscribe button. Peace out, y'all. That's a wrap. Thank you for watching Becca's World. Please 